0: I think it's really important from like a personal brand level as well as a company level to however you have like your digital pages or your physical presence to go out there and be a representative of yourself, the company and like engage in communities that you are trying to attract.
1: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, I have Jess Servion. She is the former VP of Customer Experience at Feastables, a $100 million chocolate venture founded by YouTube superstar Mr. Beast. She was the fourth person to join this incredible team and has been laser-focused on crafting an unforgettable customer experience. When she hasn't been at Faceable, she's been building her fractional... CMO work for creators who have millions of followers. She's become the go-to for experts in creator brand strategy and end-to-end customer experience. On today's podcast, we go a little bit all over the place because I have a lot of questions for someone who's been a part of a company that has scaled so quickly. She came in when the business was just getting off the ground and she saw it go from zero to a hundred million dollars. So we're talking about Everything that happened along the way, creating incredible customer experiences, cultivating engagement, building community, and even how you can leverage opportunities that do good in the world and really have it be an opportunity to create really incredible content with the potential of even going viral. You are going to love today's episode. There is a lot of notes, and if you are someone who is transitioning out of a corporate role and into your own business, I think Jess is really going to inspire you with her story. And I'm excited for you to dig in and listen. Hey, Jess, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Well, I'm excited too. You have quite the resume and quite the story and it's been so fun to hear more about your background and how you got to where you are today. I would love if you could share a little bit of that story with our audience.
0: Yeah, so fun fact, I actually went to art school, but it's very relevant because I think that my education in art has actually helped me in the business world from like a thinking outside of the box like strategic point of view, even though Some people will be like, how do you paint and then do business? But listen,
1: girl, I got you. I have a fine art degree. I totally understand.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like you, it's relevant, you know, relevant. So TLDR version is like, I went to, I went to art school, graduated, then wanted nothing to do with it. So I worked a lot in like customer service oriented roles, customer success roles across like all sorts of different industries like banking. I worked for a nonprofit. I was like an office manager. got fired for that job. I was not great at being an office manager. I'm going to be real. And then, you know, worked in travel for some time. I was like a corporate travel agent, but like kind of like a customer success manager and then got like a role in a startup travel tech application. And I was able to run all of travel operations. But then in my tenure there, We decided to shift the gears and develop out customer experience instead, which is very relevant to my story. So that's actually where I got my start as customer experience, not just customer success, not just customer support. And then that was like one startup. And then I like worked at a couple others like cybersecurity, like all these like weird places. And then landed at Feastables, a Mr. Beast snack brand. And if for anybody who's listening and like doesn't know who Mr. Beast is, if you have children, I guarantee they would know. Or just you like search him on YouTube, and he's like one of the biggest YouTube influencers. And there I was, the vice president of customer experience, and also the fourth employee. So ground up of that company. <laughs> yeah, it has been
1: wild to watch. It went zero to a 100 real fast, not just zero to 60, but it has grown. It's more than a 100 million in revenue last I heard. And that's happened in just a few short years. Obviously, Mr. Beast has a history of going fast and scaling companies. But I'm curious... like being in the weeds and being a part of a company that's from four employees to, I don't know how many you were at when you exited recently, but talk to me a little bit about what it was like being in a company that was scaling that quickly. Honestly,
0: fucking insane, (laughs) 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 fucking insane. I think it was really interesting. I think one of the biggest things and like this applies not just for like festivals, but like any startup that like is like has this level of like scaling so quickly is you have to basically fail fast. You have to fail fast to learn from things. Right. And so one of our things that like in those beginning months was make mistakes and learn from them. Like it was a part of our culture. It was a part of our values. Right. And so, you know, we made a lot of mistakes. Like I wouldn't say like, oh my God, we made a ton of mistakes that like cost the the business, like, millions of dollars. No, like I don't mean it like that. I mean it like we made some mistakes about it, like, oh wow, that didn't really hit on the audience. Like we thought like a first social campaign or an email marketing, or, you know, maybe a bundle that we created didn't like hit like the way we thought it would. And so I think that's like one of the, like the very important things to like talk about is like, as you're scaling a company that fast, you're going to fail at some point, but it's, what's really important is getting up and pivoting and being like, okay, that didn't work. That sucked. All right. Let's try to like change the course and figure out some like different avenues that we can explore. And you have to be able to, you know, in those days, like, like we said, like I was employee four, but like when we actually launched the company, we were only eight employees, right? Eight employees. And our first day was like, a ton of sales, a ton of chatter. Like it was just like mad dash to the website. It was insane. And we had to like learn very quickly, like who your customer is, what does your customer like, what do they dislike? How do you pivot? How do you produce products that they love, but also how do you build a community that they also love and want to continue like repeat purchasing from you? And I think that's just the biggest lesson. Honestly, you got to like leave room to fail so you can pivot and change the course as you get on.
1: Yeah. I think what I got from that, aside from learning the lessons along the way, is just the importance of fostering community and making people feel a part of something. I think it's really easy when you're in any sort of marketing role or any business and you're just like, shouting out into the void and trying to get people to pay attention and you want people to buy from you and you feel like you're just talking at them all the time. But typically the most sales and the most reoccurring kind of purchases happen when you can make people feel included, which I know from learning a little bit about your background that that's definitely true. Tell me a little bit more about ways you've worked on building community with the various brands you've worked on over the years?
0: Yeah, I think like the biggest thing and listen, I think that the term customer experience is like still really new, even though we like talk about it a lot in like marketing or as a like, customer support, customer service. But I think the, the word experience and experience marketing is really important as you building a community because like, you're trying to develop like a place that these people like want to keep shopping from you, like want to even engage and like talk about your products or, or talk about you. Like, and this is very relevant, not even just in e-com, but also in like software too, right? Like you create features Because of like the customer's feedback or the customer's experience right so like one thing is like thinking about it from like a brand experience point of view not even just like a brand marketing point of view it's like what is the experience that i want my customers to have when they receive that product so like I don't know, think about, I'm like looking at like around, but like, think about this portfolio I have, right? Like I purchased this because like, it's very convenient. It's very nice. It's got a nice texture, but like when I open the package for it, it's like very well done. Like it's complete experience when I'm like even purchasing that product, right. Or going to the website. And so I think it starts from like the pre-purchasing, point of view. And then it continues on to the post-purchase. And so, you know, as we talk about community and like engagement now, right? Like this is switching it a little bit from like the product itself. Like when your customer goes and purchases that one product, what brings them back? Like what brings them back into the fold to even want to visit your website, want to look at open your email marketing campaigns. And it's literally treating your customers as if not necessarily like their gold, but treating your customers as if you're building a relationship with them. And I think that's really important is you're like talking to your customers is like, Hey, Abigail, like I noticed that you really like this color of this portfolio, right? Like, have you thought about like this other one that I might try to upsell you to, or, Hey, I really noticed that maybe it's like a probiotic. Right. Did you know that like we have this community where like other wellness gurus like really like to talk about like what's working for them and like their diet and their probiotics, like all these other things, right? It's like it's understanding what like what it is that your product is and like the the channels that you need to like communicate and build a relationship with your customer from. I know that sounds really like I was rambling. No, (laughs) but but it's like relationship building. (laughs) Well, and I think the interesting thing about it is. I know for
1: small business owners, it's really easy to get caught up in community only looking one way. Like community being a Facebook group, or you're using something like Circle or School or, you know, an outside platform where it's literally a community. But I don't necessarily think online location or even a physical location is required to build that sense of knowing and relationship building and engagement. I know you've done it a lot through social. Go ahead. What were you going to say?
0: Well, to your point, actually. So, like, look at Liquid Death, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? Liquid Death actually does a lot of like in real life brand experiences, right? That is a sense of community. And I'm not saying everybody might have like the funds to be able to like go out there and like do these big extravagant things, right? But depending on like what your product is, like you going out and maybe like demoing your product or building out an experience that's outside of the online world is also a sense of engagement and it's also a sense of community. And so like I'm using Liquid Death as like a big grand scheme of things things and we can even talk about festivals. Like we've done like in-person things where I literally hand delivered eleven Teslas to winners at festivals, like around the country. Okay. Like that's like building community, Oh, you're just right? just
1: casually delivering eleven Teslas like, across the country.
0: That's a story. Like an insane story. But like okay, even though there's 11 individuals in this, right, it's like me as like a leader of that company, and having to deliver this like moment, because these were all winners who won from like a giveaway, you open the bar, you like put in your code, and then you ended up winning a Tesla, like, and it was like 11 people. That's the backstory of that. But like, even then, like, even though these are 11 people, like I had to go out and make 11 different moments as I was delivering these, these cars. Right. And I had to build 11 different relationships with these individuals so that like one, they would trust me that like, Hey, I'm like le- legit. <laughs> like, this legit like, you actually get the car. <laughs> yeah. So did
1: you surprise them or did they
0: know you were coming? Honestly, you there's no way to really surprise it because fun fact, Tesla doesn't do wholesale okay (laughs) you know yeah if you're buying 11 cars for your fleet right like you can't just get a wholesale number like account but like I couldn't just go and like I had they knew about it because I had to like sign the car over to them of course so like but we had to pretend there was a surprise factor (laughs) sure (laughs) anyway that's a very random story but my point is that was like in real life brand experiences also like create community and engagement. And I think, and I think even on a smaller scale, like I look at, you know, fat milk, one of my clients, right? Like she's going out there and she's going to craft fairs and going to like particular events where she's demoing her product and like going out there as a founder and speaking to, to potential customers and building relationships with them in person too. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's really a big opportunity to think of outside the box of what could be done or what's going against the grain. And I know Jess's experience is different from a lot of yours with her emphasis more in e-com and physical products. But I know you guys run a variety of businesses, and I think there's such a great opportunity to learn from industries that have nothing to do with the product that we're selling, regardless if it's, you know, a website design service, or you're selling your fractional work as a CMO. I think there's still opportunities to make people feel a part of something and scale can change based on the reach that you realistically need. It's not necessarily about reaching millions or going viral.
0: But It can be, it can be, it doesn't have to be though. Yeah. I mean, you know, and this is just like honestly tactical advice to like other individuals who are like out there, you know, like selling their services or selling a small product or whatever it is. Maybe it's not e-com. Maybe it's just like, like you said, like design services. So one of the things that I've been doing as like a fractional individual is creating like just on my personal brand, creating a sense of community with like other founders operators and e also in like b2b like partnerships when i say b2b like software as a service <laughs> but the point is though is that So what I've been actually doing is going out and creating like happy hours and experience events. Like I've been taking what I like kind of learned from like the in real life brand experiences from like festivals or that liquid death and like dialing it down to even like building community and networking opportunities outside of just like selling product. Right. And then what happens in turn is like, that's essentially like top of funnel marketing because then you're going out there and you're selling your services, you're selling yourself as like the individual, but it it doesn't feel as like contrite. It feels more authentic, right? Because it's like, I'm hosting these like events, or I'm hosting these like networking opportunities. And I'm just like showing up as Jess, Jess, and having casual conversations. And then when you get into like, oh, hey, I'm Jess, maybe you're this person's name is Frank, I don't know. And they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a fractional CMO. And they're like, oh, my God, like, I don't need that. But my friend needs that, right? It's like, Developing and like, and I hate to turn everything about sales, but my point is, is like, there's always like, if you go out and engage and like build these like communities and network, you can in turn turn that into top of funnel marketing for yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. Talk to me more about that top of funnel marketing because I think a lot of people skip this. (laughs) When you run a small business, sometimes it's not even necessary, you have your own you know, world of people that you've cultivated over the years, you you haven't been paying much attention to it, but you have friends on Facebook, you have a couple hundred followers, maybe a couple thousand followers on Instagram, and they start selling whatever it is that they're selling and they are getting clients. And then one day the leads start going down because they haven't focused on building top of funnel strategies. What are some of your like, off the cuff ideas on ways to do this in a really, like
0: starting small way? Yeah, I think my biggest one that comes to mind, the first pillar is engagement, you have to give out what you're trying to get back, right. And so and I think that can apply for like anything that can apply for like design or can apply for, you know, fractional CMO, it can apply for like a product, right. And so like, what I'm trying to say is like, So maybe you have some sort of organic social pathway and then you were like getting like word of mouth or you were getting some engagement there, but like you were waiting for everything to come to you, but you weren't actually going out and engaging in other communities to like bring people like back to you. Right. So it's like, I think it's really important from like a personal brand level, as well as a company level to however you have like your digital pages or your physical presence to go out there and be a representative of yourself, the company and like engaging communities that you are trying to attract. So, and what I mean by engagement, so like it could be something so simple as like, going and like maybe looking for threads on Twitter that are relevant to like the products or the services that you're selling. Or maybe it's like getting involved in like Reddit communities, right? Or, you know, any sort of social channels. And then the, on the other side of it, like I'm thinking, one of the things that like is coming to my mind is like, I'm thinking of this woman that I know, she's a fiber artist and she learned to be a fiber artist and then started selling her products. Right. But like, how she's engaging in the community is like she's going out and teaching classes. She's going out and going to the networking events. She's going out and like going into that specific community and engaging with other artists and other individuals to then draw back into her business. So I, it's so again, the first pillar is engagement. Like I feel like it's organic. It's like off the cuff, like thought, but I think it's really important. I don't think it has to always be like paid ads right? Like you don't have to always do paid ads. It's like, it could be something so simple. as just having a conversation with somebody.
1: No, totally. Conversations, relationships, building rapport. It goes so much further than I think people realize. I go back to like the early days of kind of this online business world. And I remember it was as simple as being really active in a Facebook community. There was people that were consistently getting recommended for all sorts of gigs because they were the ones consistently providing value. And I think where people are struggling is figuring out where to go and where to find those communities and where to reach out. But the only way you're going to know is if you go and explore them yourself. And so you're not always going to hit the right place The first time you have to keep exploring and asking questions and finding other people that do similar things to you. And like, it doesn't always have to be about competition. Like, they could be a relationship that's really vital to your own growth and one that you never really know where it's going to take you. I just wrote an email today about relationship building and specifically how that you just never know what it's going to bring back to you. But the best way to build these relationships is to avoid seeking something in return at the beginning. Like you have to go into it with this wantingness to just give. And the like, what comes back to you is a surprise or not something you're anticipating. And that's okay. You don't have to have the answer. Like you don't have to know what you're going to get out of the relationship. And sometimes the answer is nothing. Or sometimes the answer is a friend and has nothing to do with business. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales.
0: Right. No, absolutely. I mean, this is like one of the things that I really love to talk about is like also just like being a connector and just networking in general, because like, so people will be like, oh, Jess, like, you know, a lot of people. I don't know a lot of people. It's not that I know a lot of people. I just like go out and like, I'm just nice. That's basically first and foremost, be fucking nice. Okay. But two, I also think that like, there's like plenty of people that I have encountered in my pathway. Like for instance, actually, this is a really good story. Yesterday I went and got like new headshots and there's like a particular like photographer that I always have used for like the last like five years. Right. And I was like briefly talking to her and she was like, Oh, I'm really trying to get into like product photography, but she's always has done like portrait. And I was like, Oh girl, I know some people that I can like get you into. Right. And like by mentioning that she wants to do product with a client, right and knowing that and me as the client knowing that like her work is just so good right I was then able to refer her to two different other individuals who are looking for a product photographer. Right. And so like, that's like a very small scale story, but like, I think what it's really important is not only just going out you as an individual and going out and being nice to people. Right. But I think you go out into like these events, these networking events, these talking to people, whatever casual conversations of like not expecting to get anything out of it because you never know when like somebody is going to one connect you. But two, you can be the connector for somebody else.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And that's always so fun and serendipitous and unexpected and kind of is a little bit related to the direction I want to go next. But you mentioned before we got started the possibilities of taking something That you're purposefully building a campaign around something, but really doing good, having it be purposefully good in whatever community or area that you want to show up in, but how the doing good really can promote virility. And so I think ultimately being a good person, being open, being whatever, like it all comes back to that. But talk about how you can leverage that for content.
0: Yeah. So I think. I mean, granted this, these examples are probably going to come back to e-com, but I think this like applies for every sort of entrepreneur out there, every person that's like just going out there on your own. Right. I think that like a lot of what we're talking about is like, okay, like go out there, be nice, like all this stuff. But I have seen with some of the brands that I have like worked with in particular, like Feastables, actually this, let's just use the Feastables example for now. But like Mr. Beast is known for doing good. He's literally known for doing good. Right. And so that's like from a perspective of his channel. So his YouTube channel. So he goes out and he like does these giveaways, whatever he's helping other individuals. Right. And so then when we're bringing that into festivals, it's not about at festivals, like, okay, I want to sell this candy bar, or sell this snack and like make money. Like we also need to exemplify that Mr. Beast brand persona in like a, in the, our e-com store and our snack brand. So, you know, there have been campaigns that we have done that were just literally not for profit, just for giving back, like just for giving away funds to like somebody who was in need, right. Going to actually a particular product, like last Christmas, instead of being like, okay, we're going to sell this bundle where you're going to get this t-shirt and you're going to get all these things. We're going to make so much money off of this. Right. We actually sold a product that was a bundle with you still get your chocolate, but like some of those proceeds of that bundle actually went to Beast Philanthropy. Beast Philanthropy is like another Mr. Beast organization that literally they like help in like so many different causes. There's so many, like I can't even like name all of them. But like that's my point is like it's like going out there and like developing like a brand experience that's very related to like Mr. Beast, right? And like the doing good will also in turn bring you not just loyalty, but also a sense of authenticity. Um, And I think that's really important. So like, that's a very large example. So like on a smaller example, right, I have put together campaigns where for granted, like the company was a nonprofit software company that also helped other like nonprofits, but there were campaigns that we did that were specific to giving back to the community. And we did it every quarter where we would like go out film the content, of course, but like go out and like give back to like a food bank or like some sort of service, right? And like, we weren't expecting anything out of it, but that content ended up bringing in like authenticity to the software company, right? Like it brings in a level of like, I don't want to say personalization, like that was, it's not personalization, but it's like a level of like humanizing, like the overall experience. Right. And so I think my point is of bringing up these two examples is like, you could go really big where it's like a piece of your proceeds goes to something, or you could go really small and you're just doing something for the good of doing something. And what it brings to your brand, your personal brand, your, your product brand, whatever it is, is the level of authenticity. Like you actually feel like you're like, real. You're not always just out there for revenue. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. No, I'm so inspired right now. It's been really cool to even just ponder here myself while you're talking, thinking about, you know, people think about ways to add senses of urgency and like, get people in on certain campaigns on a certain timeline. And it doesn't always have to be a price increase or the thing going away or whatever. Like, what if it's about making an impact on something that's really important to you or important to your community as a whole? And what are the ways you can leverage or do that? And I think it got my wheels spinning. So I'm hoping it gets yours spinning as well.
0: Yeah. And like one other example I actually have is like for another brand that I do work with, they're a hydration company, right? So like their product is very like you purchase it and then you purchase it for like yourself. But we actually get a lot of requests that come into the CX team of like, Hey, I really love this product. I don't want to name it just because I don't want it to like go viral. <laughs> and like, But like, oh, hey, like, I really like this product. And we're, you know, doing a run, a marathon run, would you be interested in donating your product, right? Or maybe it's a bachelor party. I know, like, these aren't necessarily always doing good, but it's like asking for donations, right? And then I'm trying to think of the one that like recently came across her desk. Oh, it was like in Los Angeles, and it was like passing out like these hydration packets, like in Skid Row, like putting it in like bags for these individuals, right? And so like whether you're like donating to the bachelor party or you're donating to the good cause, right? Like. Either way, it's not only just developing like that authenticity, but what it's doing for this brand in particular is that they're being seen in the community as doing good for other organizations. And that it's really important to like, it's not only always about revenue, it's also giving back to your community.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely think it's such a great opportunity to think outside of what you've maybe allowed yourself to do. I think a lot of people think I have to be at a certain revenue point where I can, before I can start doing this, or I have to build my business to this stage before I can give back. And there's so many things. So (laughs) even if it's just your time, ways you can impact other organizations, other causes, your community, I think that's super inspiring. Along the way, like when you're doing all of these initiatives ultimately it's moving the business forward and helping it grow and and in some cases scaling it rapidly in the case of what has happened at feastables what do you feel like some of the smartest moves are that like make this more incremental and and something that's going to scale but not break the
0: business
1: any yeah. thoughts on that
0: yeah. I think what's really important as you're scaling a business is to be really methodical about your steps, especially in like, whether it's like a service or it's a CPG consumer package good, like, or something that's consumable, whatever. Right. Like, and it doesn't matter, like what your product is, what your service is, like what you're selling is that it kind of goes back to like the old saying where it's like, don't bite off more than you can chew, you know, because I think at times, like, I know I do this. I definitely do this even in my fractional business. I'm like hey, oh, I I could take all the accounts, right? I could take all the accounts. I would not say take all the accounts, but I could take on all the business. But then I'm like, wait, I don't have enough time to actually do this at 110%. And so then if I'm thinking about it from a product perspective, right, if you're constantly getting distracted by the shiny object of like, this is going to bring me more revenue, and not actually being productive in like your product, right? Like maybe you're getting bad customer feedback, because like your product is like, not the greatest because you like, you just move too fast. What's going to happen is if you're not methodical about like the steps that you're taking and kind of like not biting off more than you can chew is that you're not going to be able to operate at 110%. And just like an individual burns out, your company will burn out too. And I think that's really important. And it's like, I don't necessarily have like the tactical advice, like do this to do this. I think my most tactical advice there is be very thoughtful and methodical about what it is that you are putting out into the world and don't bite off more than you can chew. Because then you're just constantly getting into these pivot moments, which are still important, but you're never going to be able to operate at 110. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think that's an important thing to recognize, our limits. And the people who listen to this show have big ideas. They have big aspirations and big things they want to accomplish. And I think often the ideas are bigger than they have, not that they are capable of, but that they have the resources to accomplish, whether that be manpower or the financial feasibility of putting it in action or whatever. And so being mindful of, okay, even if this is the big vision and this is where we want to go, what is a hundred percent of what we can do that puts us in that direction. And it can still be incremental. You can still build to the thing and who knows, like that big idea could be right around the corner with the right intentional steps along the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like, I actually encounter this is more on like a personal level but I encounter this like frequently when I talk to like other entrepreneurs or people who are like starting out like whether it's service, products, whatever it is that like seeing what other people are doing all the time and thinking that like you're not doing enough. But we always have to remember that like in order to get to one step it's brick by brick. You know, and like it's just brick by brick like we were talking about this before but like I recently I have like departed from festivals, nothing negative. I just recently departed from festivals because I decided that I wanted to go and like be freelance and fractional and help brands scale and get, you know, like whatever the project is. But I wasn't able to like actually take that leap of faith until I built the brick by brick. And what I was finding out for myself when I first began it is I was constantly comparing myself to other individuals who were already so far ahead. But I'm like, I have to take that out of my ether because- I'm building here and then I'm gonna lay the next brick and then I'm gonna lay the next brick, right? I'm not building at like with you know 10 stacks of bricks high. I'm building one, two, three first. And like, so my point is land this plane is that like one, don't always compare yourself to what other people are doing because your journey is completely different than everybody else's. And two, just remember that don't bite off more than you can chew. Like just bite off what you can. Operate at 110. I operate at 110, which will probably burn me out, but I operate at there. Do it at 110 and then lay the next brick. You know, like if you have one product, add another skew once that one product is super, you've hit a goal or you've hit a milestone. You don't have to launch something with like all the bells and whistles because your plans are going to change anyway. Oh, your plans are going to change anyway. should be the story
1: of my freaking life for real though. Now, I know approximately based on some surveys that 80% of you are already operating a business that's up and running and doing fantastic. You're earning money, but there is a large portion of you who still are building this thing on the side and trying to make that leap of faith and Jess made a massive leap, like she mentioned, besides the building the brick by brick, what do you feel like allowed you to make the transition? Because I think the transition is the biggest part that people get really hung up on of when do I say goodbye to the full-time thing and when do I fully invest in my own business?
0: Yeah, I think it's for me what shifted in my mentality was that I don't have to be the millionaire before I can do it. Like in order to get to like the million or like the safe net of like what's in my bank account, I have to, again, I have to build it brick by brick. So I think for me, biting off a little bit, like while I was like full time biting off. So what we're talking about in particular is me like going hundred percent freelance, but I bit off a little bit while I was full time. And I was like, okay, this is good. All right, this is like extra income. I just like left it in my business, like just reinvested it into like website or design things or whatever it is, right? Or a little bit of help. And then I added another brick and I was like, oh, well, okay, I got another account. Like, all right, I'm going to reinvest this into myself. I'm not going to take anything out of this. And then I got to a point where I was like, oh, like, okay, I can cover my rent, I can cover the necessities that I need and put a little bit of money in the savings might not be the exact amount like it might not be, you know, and this is never my salary, I'm just making this up, but like might not be $500,000 a year, right? Like, when I shifted my mentality of like, I don't need that 500,000 or that million dollar mark to feel safe is when things one started flowing a little bit better for me. But two, I kind of released the like the the grip on like, I have to be at the safety net, right? And then one day I like, honestly, and I, not everybody's journey is gonna be the same, but like one day I just kind of did some soul searching and I was realizing I was like burning myself out because I was trying to be like at my nine to five, I was doing all this stuff before nine or after five. I was on this path of burning myself out. And I was like, I have to release something in order to follow my dream of being my own boss. And so what that was, was like my safety net of my full-time paycheck, but I haven't enough to be able to be like, my rent is paid. There's still food on the table. I can't go and like do extravagant things, but that's okay because those things will come maybe. Or like, maybe I just reinvest in myself constantly. Like, it's not. So like my point is though, it's like, it's shifting your mentality that you don't have to be 500,000 or a million dollars a year. Right. It's like, shifting your mentality of like, I have enough. Well,
1: and I think part of that is kind of the fear of feeling like you don't know the answer and like, you don't know what enough is, or you don't know what a realistic safety net should be. Like some of it is sometimes a leap of faith and you just have to go for it. But if you're feeling like you want more tangible ways to figure out what that number looks like, because it's different for everyone. Like, And I think that's why she's saying it's not the 500, it's not a million. Well, it may be 30 for one person and it may be 80 for another person. And it's really going to depend on your lifestyle, what percentage your business needs to fund of that lifestyle. Do you have a partner who's also investing in this? What does that look like and how does it all work into the mix? And so digging into the numbers is definitely one of my favorite things to do and a big part of the things we offer inside the co-op, which you can definitely find out more at creativetemplateshop.com. But just this was so fun. I know we were a little bit all over the place. I won't Welcome deny, <laughs> but I feel like there's so many tangible takeaways here and I really can see people taking this and running with it in a lot of different ways. So any last parting words, words of advice, and then where can people find
0: and hang out with you online? Yeah, just words of advice if you're looking to boss up your life okay <laughs> it's brick by brick my friends and the last thing cuz i tell this to so many of like my mentees do not compare yourself to other people i know it's so hard but if you find yourself comparing yourself to other people like i was finding myself comparing myself like on twitter and i'm like you know what let me just not be on twitter like let me take that out of my ether because that is going to distract me so my point is if something is a distraction and you're comparing yourself, take it out of your ether as much as you can. And then if you are looking to speak to me any further, you need some fractional CMO help, or honestly, you just want to chit chat. I have a website. It's JessServion.com. We'll put in the show notes because my last name is very hard to spell. And you can also find me on LinkedIn.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Jess. It was great. Thank you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our Creative Template Shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics, we make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.